enterprise grade data which is very usable curated uh, you know that has still value so in general i guess in data businesses you know building enterprise grade data is not trivial and once you have that uh, i think th- there's uh, inherent defensibility that is there in the business Welcome to Prime Venture Partners podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to build and grow their startups. Learn about uncommon strategies and common traps from makers and doers of startup ecosystem. Welcome to the Prime Venture Partners podcast. I'm your host Amit Somani and I am delighted to have with us one of our very own and uh, co-founder and CEO of Traction, Neha. Neha, welcome to the show. I am it glad to be here excited <laughs> Yes it's a long time coming we invested in traction many years ago and we finally uh, get you on the show and hopefully at a very exciting time in the company's journey uh, so look forward to exploring all that so why don't you tell our listeners you know what traction is and and what you guys do yeah, Sure so uh, traction essentially is a private market intelligence platform uh, before traction uh both uh, me and my co-founder were earlier investors and uh, you know we used to really struggle with data i would say earlier you know uh, even to uh, do simple things like finding interesting companies uh we would actually do a, a variety of things you know so we would uh, we would uh, find out companies through billboards or through ads or through newspaper uh, you know clippings uh, and we realized that you know as private market investors uh, you're really struggling for data whereas if you look at public markets you know they uh, they have so much of data and they are spending sort of more time in the next level of analysis and we really wished that a platform like uh, you know this exists when you are private market investors so that was the initial thesis of traction that you know a public market has platforms like bloomberg uh, and private markets now that it is becoming large important should also have plat- uh, also have a platform similar to that uh so essentially that's what traction set out to build and now we are in our eighth year um and have come a long way you know in that vision uh so we track essentially uh, private companies startups globally and we work with private market investors and large corporates who want to invest in startup acquire startups or are looking at emerging trends in their industries makes that's sense traction brief yeah. and you know so let i mean i have a lot of follow on questions but let's just start with the data itself and and the data pipeline and the and the breadth i know that you know when when we started working together you were tracking a few hundred thousand companies now i'm sure it's in the you know uh, millions if not the tens of millions so talk to us about just how the whole private markets have exploded globally and i know that initially you were focused on us india now you're you know truly global in terms of all the you know various countries and sectors you track so just give us a scope of the you know the depth and the breadth of the market first yeah so private market have actually uh, you know uh, sort of uh, i think expanded a lot in the past uh, you know a few years uh, right from the fact that uh, you know when we started probably looking at private market which was more than a decade back uh, you know the whole ecosystem i would say has multiplied multiple times i'll give you a very interesting stat so just in uh, 2010 which is just you know a decade back 10 years back uh, the total number of unicorns that got created globally uh, was just one 
and today uh, you know in 2021 in just the first 7 months uh, we have over 260 companies that have become uni- uh, unicorns so you know it's like in a decade there is like a 300x increase in just the uh, uh, you know quality of companies and the size of companies and the scale of companies right and this is just one of the stats if you look at the number of people who have started investing number of corporates who started looking at this sector you know i think that has exploded um and uh, you know i think it is just you know just getting started so we are sort of excited about the market also how it will pan out in the next you know 10 years i would say uh yeah and i guess more and more people are also coming into this market of you know private market uh, sort of data and uh, you know interestingly as you see companies becoming a scaling uh, also the whole exit cycle happens in companies i think that will you know, increase sort of the capital which comes into this asset class uh so i think we are just you know getting started in this market yeah i i, I read a stat something like about 2 trillion dollars have been sort of uh, invested in over the last 10 15 years in the private markets right um, and and therefore that obviously has to lead to a lot of innovation i'm in particular interested in the early stage right as you know and so if you are an early stage investor or an early stage entrepreneur by the way i recommend a lot of entrepreneurs to go to traction to check out what are the trends to check out your famous blue boxes uh, you know maybe you can tell people what that is to check out even sometimes you know opportunities for jobs to say hey you know which are the companies that are doing well so how should someone leverage traction if you are looking more at the early stage rather than the 261 unicorn uh, stage yeah so our uh, core customer segment are uh, you know the more richer ones which is the pevcs uh, you know corporates Uh, we actually uh, don't uh, charge from founders but you know if there are founders who wants to do that please feel free to you know write to us and you know we will surely be uh, figure out a way to help them uh, but uh, you know i would say for founders who are looking this is uh, so i've actually like shared it with some of my friends who are uh, looking at uh, you know ideas in a sector or looking at companies and both of them have actually been uh, you know uh, fairly uh, you know like i've got sort of very good reviews from them so essentially uh, for two things one is if you are a founder if you are interested in a particular sector be it you know ed tech is a sector that is of interest to you and you want to just figure out okay globally what is what are the large models getting created which is just a proxy of you know which are the markets which are scaling right uh, so you can actually just do that you know in like a day or two which are otherwise you know research would have taken you like one to two weeks uh, so that is one thing uh second is uh, you know like uh, you know anyone who is looking at uh, in fact one of my friends in bay area uh, stanford friends uh, she was looking for a job in cyber security and she found a very interesting company and when she reached out to the company the founder said oh how did you find us you know because we were under you know we were in stealth mode uh, you know not uh, advertising a lot and then uh, you know uh, then she, she actually talked about traction so that was an interesting trivia that you can actually do that uh for i guess the investors uh you know your whole um so two things that we solve uh one is uh you know if you are looking at a more thematic investing so if you are looking at some sectors uh, and if you want to do a, a full scan on those and you want to figure out all the companies that uh, job of thematic sort of sourcing becomes very very easy uh and that is one thing that we actually spend a lot of technology as well as uh you know our team structure is designed to be able to help investors to do that uh that's one core thing and the second thing is that if you're looking at one particular company if you want to figure out okay you know who else exists 
who are the competition set who are, uh, what are the global equivalents how big have they become for instance if you're looking at nft you want to figure out okay have uh, you know how large uh, have the companies become in that space so that whole research actually becomes uh, you know fairly efficient when you're doing it uh, so this i would say is is the ones which are most popular uh, among the users absolutely so we'll come back to the depth of the traction data in a second but let me take a step back and talk about the anatomy of building a data business right you you talked a little bit about bloomberg earlier or you mentioned it anyways there's all kinds of data companies since the beginning of time right i mean dun and bradstreet zoom info you name it right standard and poors etc so if we just take a step back can you talk to us about what it takes to build a data business you know and how how large some of these businesses are overall right so actually uh, when we started looking at data businesses we uh, you know before starting traction we probably had a cursory sort of view over time as we met more people who have worked in these industries and these companies our view actually got really enriched about data and the respect got really uh, you know enhanced on the data businesses uh, if you look at it you know good example is for instance in bloomberg it has more than 10 billion dollar in revenue uh, you know highly profitable and even after 40 years it continues to grow and increase market share right so these companies are uh, you know fairly uh, you know like high margins uh, fairly defensible business with a very high sort of operating leverage uh, if you actually look at uh, the top set of companies in data business uh they actually generate about about uh, 7 billion dollar in free cash flow which is one of the highest across industries so even if you compare it to you know like a tech industry it's a fairly high uh you know uh, size of uh, that so this is a fairly sort of a rich industry uh, we realized and um, uh you know fairly uh, you know you know high margins defensible and you know still keeps growing after years uh so i you know i think we see um, so there are uh, different types of data there is one data which is uh, what we uh, the space that we play in is basically your enterprise grade data for decision making right which is uh, when you are typically working with high paid professionals so that is the thing that we see is uh, among the meatiest uh, in the types of data and then uh, obviously uh, every industry has their own needs so for instance you know now you'd be hearing a lot about esg data there are companies uh, you know in every sector in every uh, vertical industry that would have become large uh, behind this data obviously one of the largest being financial data uh, space which includes all these companies like a bloomberg refinitiv capital iq uh, factset etc got it and so if i were if i were an early stage entrepreneur looking to start a new quote unquote data business right and it need not be in the financial uh, sector right whether it's public public market or private market because as as we always say right data is exploding right and metadata is exploding even more exponentially how would you go about analyzing that opportunity as a founder to say is there something interesting here or not um you know one of one of my favorite businesses is app annie i don't know if you're familiar with that right they, they basically give you data and metadata and analytics about app store data right from google and apple so just curious about any any thoughts on how one should evaluate this yeah so on evaluating the opportunity i would say two things one is basically the opportunity has to be large enough or the addressable market uh, you know has to be large and growing uh, to give you an example how do you size a market uh, for instance if you do vc and pe uh, when we started uh, which is uh, you know 10 years back uh, there was no market so they were not using a software per se 
uh, right? And this was a new wallet created. Uh, so the size is not based on the actual industry players are doing. You have to basically, you know, uh, like unfold the market and see if this is a large enough market, if data is going to be a critical part in the in that decision making, and if the sector as such is growing. So that is what I would say is sizing the opportunity. And, uh, you know, again, it's uh, typically not the current wallet share, but how, what potential it can uh, become. Like that's one. The second thing I would say is, uh, you know, your affinity towards the market. I think that is probably most important. Uh, you know, how do you, uh, you know, your sort of connect, what I would say as a founder, uh, you know, problem fit, right? Or a founder market fit. I think that is also essential because, you know, data businesses is you're typically selling to enterprises, it's B2B, uh, you know, it may not be the most sexy business uh, as a, a consumer business, uh, you know, which is having a lot of eyeballs, etc. Uh, so, you know, you have to, and it takes time for you to uh, get better at data. So, uh, you know, uh, so I think, uh, you know, this is something that requires also a little bit of investment and you have to, you know, bear with it. Uh, so I would say, you know, the second thing would be like, you know, how deeply do you connect to the, uh, to the problem? Uh, because it will take you a few years to become, you know, really good and your sales to become really easy. Understood. How do, how do you evaluate the moat in your business, right? Or the defensibility of your business? And for that matter, any data business really, right? Because a lot of the data that you are today presenting and making it easily accessible, searchable, analyzable, is data from the kind of public sources of information or semi-public sources of information, right? Uh, do you guys think about that? And if so, how uh, how do you think about it? Right. So this is a very interesting question. Uh, a good, easy way to think about this is actually thinking the parallel from the public markets. If you look at public markets, all the data is public. Uh, a lot of it is structured information, you know, but still you have companies like Bloomberg who keeps growing and a lot of people who have, you know, come at that market in not being able to sort of take enough market share. So you have, you know, free solutions like a Google finance uh, or even a lot of other, uh, you know, plat uh, solutions like that, but still enterprise grade data, which is very usable, curated, um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that has still value. So in general, I guess, uh, you know, I, in data businesses, um, you know, building enterprise grade data is not trivial. And once you have that, uh, you know, I think th there's uh, inherent defensibility that is there in the business. And I just, yeah, Go ahead. And just to add, I think to that point, like, uh, so that's in the market. But if you are a company who's building that, there are a few things that you obviously have to, you know, be, uh, get right. Uh, I think the top two things I would say is definitely tech because, you know, you're going to be working with a lot of uh, data. You have to be intelligent at mining those, et cetera. Right, so you really need to invest in tech upfront from day one. Uh, I think that's that goes a long way, uh, you know, to build a defensibility in your business. All the companies, interestingly, actually in our cohort, there were actually two or three companies which got started, which uh, did not own the IP for the data and the, which actually licensed the data, and none of them actually exist today. Right, so in the data, you have to really own the IP of your core data. You have to have the tech to be able to build it at a fairly fast, uh, you know, pace. So that is one thing that goes on to the long-term defensibility. And I think the other thing is that if you're building, don't shy away uh, from also having people uh, or, uh, you know, the, the ones which are required to build enterprise-grade data. 
because again tech can solve probably you know 90 95% of the problem but that 5% is actually very valuable for the users so you cannot actually even if you sell it to by one tenth of the price by just uh, doing a tech solution you will probably not have users until you you know complete that 5% additional uh, by investing in uh, in your teams as well fair point in fact i was going to just ask about both the technology element of this right which is not data because to to access and make meaning and structure out of so much sort of unstructured data um perhaps you can talk to us a little bit about the richness of the data uh and and i am enthralled both as a customer and an investor in traction every time i log in i see something interesting it could be cap tables it could be competitive analysis it could be whatever so just talk to us about some of the more interesting ones uh, that are on the platform and perhaps even a little bit of the back story on that so our main goal is uh, you know if you are a private market investor uh, if you are looking at a company anything that is relevant to you we should ideally be able to have it on the platform so for instance if you uh, met a company you want to figure out okay you know the factual details of the company we should have that if you want to figure out the competition set you know who else should i be evaluating as well you know we should have that if you want to look at uh, how large this market has become by looking at the global equivalence you should have that if you want to uh, figure out people that you can speak to to get a ref check on the team uh, as well as on the market who have worked in this space you should be able to do that right so our eventual goal is whatever things that you actually uh, do uh, when you're looking at a company we should be able to help you do that much more efficiently right and uh, so you know all the things that we have launched across uh, you know over the last few years uh, have been in that direction uh, you know be it cap tables financials your uh, you know from the labor filings you actually get uh, people information uh, uh, and all you know your competition set etc uh, and then uh, now people also want to have benchmarks on top of it so people want to when we are looking at a saas company for instance you also want to figure out okay what are the multiples in which the public saas companies are trading you know in that geography or globally right so all the things that you would intuitively do we should have we should be able to provide you on that absolutely i, I think there are uh, i think you just towards the end mentioned some of my favorite ones there right which is the competitive landscape the number of employees in the company and how that is kind of trending um so i think lots of lots of interesting uh, insights and now actually interestingly you have this data globally as well right so i think that that also really helps uh, another interesting one i was thinking of is you guys have a service where you can see suggest follow on investors for this company uh so i don't know how much of that is automated but it's definitely very useful yeah. so uh, yeah and one underlying trend that is happening also in this industry is that the information about companies is becoming more and more digital so uh, you know they are publishing information about themselves for hiring candidates or for acquiring customers or for various needs so that is an overarching trend which is basically the digital footprint of companies is basically increasing absolutely absolutely and as you know one of my favorite tasks or features of the platform is letting founders and companies themselves right go and uh, be able to provide information about themselves i mean it can be calibrated as such that this is traction verified and and this is from the founding team or the or, or the company but i think that there's really really rich uh, rich data out there so uh, so applaud you guys for kind of doing that now let's switch a little bit about talking about the sales process uh, i know that you do business in several dozens of countries uh, across the world 
And uniquely, while you've tried many experiments, the entire team is based out of India. Uh, so talk to us about how the whole kind of sales journey has gone in terms of selling traction and, and some of the learnings thereof. So the sales cycle that we have, uh, the sales process or the go-to-market process that we have is, uh, you know, we do uh, a lot of content marketing because of the fact that, you know, we are a data company, we can actually produce a lot of content. So we actually do a lot of content marketing across uh, through a variety of ways. And uh, that is closed, uh, you know, by our sales team. And our sales team is actually based all out of India. Uh, you know, though we have customers in over 50 countries today, and bulk of our revenue is obviously, you know, uh, international from EMEA, from US, etc. Uh, I think the way it worked out for us is because our price point is, for instance, less than $100,000, uh, users are actually fine with, uh, you know, buying remotely. I think that is the one thing that we wanted to test when we, when we were starting eight years back. So we actually set up the team both in India as well as US, which were the key markets for us. And then we realized that, you know, customers uh, don't want to meet you physically. They are fine with closing the, seeing the demo and closing the deal over Zoom calls, right? Uh, so even when I'm meeting a fund in Bay Area, though I'm also situated there, you know, people are fine with doing a VC and then uh, closing that. And, you know, obviously that has just accelerated right now. Even if I'm sitting in HSR and the fund is sitting in HSR, they still uh, prefer that I, you know, clo close it over a video call. So I think that is the trend that we have seen overall. Uh, and there is, in general, in SaaS, you would hear about more increase in inside sales, which is happening. And so we have also been benefited of that. And because of our price point, you know, customers are fine with buying remotely. So right now, the way we have done it is that we have all our teams centrally, uh, you know, in India. Uh, they work across different time zones. So they cover, you know, right from Japan to APAC to EMEA to uh, East Coast and West Coast. So they work across uh, the time zones and, uh, you know, they close uh, accounts over like Zoom calls like these. Got it. Um, you you also have a uh, amazing new kind of uh, development in the company, right? You guys have uh, filed your DRHP for going IPO. So congratulations on that. Um can you talk to us a little bit about the journey from zero to IPO, at least the filing of it? And, you know, one, what is that experience like? How did you decide that you wanted to go uh, at least start the IPO process and so forth? So I think the day we probably uh, raised our first institutional capital, the day, you know, IPO was a given. <laughs> so if you raise institutional capital, there are essentially two ways. You know, you can either do an M&A or uh, do an IPO. Uh, obviously, you know, you can postpone that or uh, there are other sort of options like buyback, which, you know, in practicality you know, uh, are probably not there. So essentially, you know, the companies have two options, either an M&A or an IPO. And because of the fact that we, we believe that the market is very deep and, you know, it's just getting started and we are at a fairly interesting uh, point in time of the company, uh, we want to actually keep, uh, you know, like leveraging on the current uh, state and, you know, keep building it. So that is why IPO was the preferred option for us. And, uh, you know, I think then it was a matter of time, right? You know, that when do you do that? Uh, so for us, we had thought mentally that, you know, when we become profitable, that's a good time for us to do that. And interestingly, both of them happened together for us. So, uh, you know, one is we became cash flow positive, bottom line positive. And uh, secondly, the market timing was also right. So the markets, you know, not just in India, but also 
globally, like you see the number of SPACs which are happening, the number of IPO filings which are happening in India, that's at an all-time high. So the market's over also very conducive. And I think combination of both of them uh, led to the fact that, you know, uh, are starting the process formally. Absolutely. And there's a lot of talk, Neha, about listing in India versus abroad for many, many years now. And obviously, so heartening to see not just your company, but many others listing here. So can you talk a little bit? I, I, I know you're early in the journey here and maybe you can't talk too much about it, but just what has the experience been so far? So earlier, I would say probably five years back, all the investors would say, you know, list in U.S., or, uh, you know, that's why the incorporation in US and, and Singapore were to happen so that you can list overseas easily. Uh, the initial logic was that Indian market are probably not deep enough or they don't understand tech stocks or, uh, you know, just the uh, the multiples were not there. So I think in the last few years, that has completely changed. If you look at it, you know, there are uh, large companies, uh, large tech companies which have listed Zomato is obviously, you know, one of the early ones. They've been able to raise like a billion dollars, which was also oversubscribed, right? Um, the second is, uh, if you look at just the accept- acceptability and understanding of tech stocks among the investors here, that has also, you know, come a long way. So I think right now, I would say India is a very good option, very interesting option, uh, if you can list that, because, uh, you know, I think you're just familiar with the regulatory environment here. And if you're... Uh, either team or your market is over here. It just makes sense to sort of list here. So I think right now, probably five years back, the answer was different. But I think right now, uh, given also the fact that there are so many companies which are uh, which are hitting the market, I think it's a very good time for tech companies to also leverage the Indian markets for listing. Makes sense. How about uh, Neha? The um whole notion of how the journey has been, right? So what are the, some of the lessons learned along the way, you know, IP or otherwise, and uh, both at a company level and interestingly at a founder level, what are some of the things that you have learned or things that you had to unlearn? Uh, because you were also on the VC side, both you and Abhishek before you guys started. Uh, so maybe just talk to us a little bit about the journey, some interesting lessons learned along the way. Right. So one of the things that are uh, that a founder should actually think about or company should think about when they are thinking about it, one of the things that people say in the public market which is very helpful is just the predictability. You don't have to you know be exact, but essentially a predictability in terms of of the business and how you see you know the the next uh, couple of years panning out. I think whenever you reach that point, that's that's a good uh, you know condition to have. Uh, I think the other thing is just maturity across the organization. Of course, your finance and legal have to be, you know, at a different level and have to be agile enough to be able to handle the regulatory, have to be agile enough to be able to respond quickly to changes that happen both internally as well as externally. So that is, of course, a team that you require, you know, fairly strong. Uh, But I would say even otherwise, even the other teams, uh, you know, needs to be mature enough so that, you know, for instance, one of the requirements is that uh, you have to actually uh, be aware of the people who are um, who are having sort of information, which uh, which can be sensitive in terms of, you know, the uh, the forecast of the company. So, you know, just those uh, practices and just those mechanisms, I think that is just a hygiene probably to have uh, in a company when you are thinking about this. Uh, apart from that, I guess, uh, you know, just it is. I think one of the key things is um, uh, you as a founder, how do you see this uh, this panning out? Uh, IPO is actually not an exit. It's probably signing up for another decade. 
if you look at all the other founders uh beats and jeev uh you know often poetch or deep of make my trip uh or money of justel you know they are still actively working even after uh you know having ipoed so many years back right so you are essentially uh you know signing up for another decade and that is probably one of the key questions that i see as a founder you have to take a call uh that this is something that you want to you know continue to do absolutely uh, i always take you know like it to be uh, you know akin to an open book exam right uh, so you have to not only have the time commitment like you said but there is a lot more transparency openness scrutiny from the investors from your competitors you know from your customers and and everything else so no congratulations uh, again uh, on that um any advice you would give the neha of 2012 right or 2010 for that matter uh, in in terms of lessons learned for those of you know uh, the folks that are starting out in particular and in particular i would say you know uh, as a woman founder as well so any any advice for for both in general what things that you would advise yourself and then uh, for any of the other women founders that are early in their journey so actually so many because as a founder you're probably learning uh, you know new things every year uh, and uh, you know you have to keep improving yourself you have to keep taking feedback uh, but if i were to you know personally if i were to look back uh, and uh, you know a couple of the things that i would say uh, you know beginning one is essentially obviously investing team up front uh so as much cliched as you know it may sound and everyone talks about doing that uh but uh, essentially you know you as a founder cannot do everything if you're taking the calls for marketing for sales for all the departments you're probably not doing a great job at that because you only have so much time and mind share for doing this uh so just investing in uh, getting sort of good folks initially i think that is one thing the second thing i would say is uh, you know which indian companies have not done that great a job is just the sales especially when you are a b2b company or doing enterprise sales just investing in your sales so if i have to look back i would have probably hired my vp of sales uh you know like 6 months earlier than what we did today so initially for instance you know you have to do as a founder you do a lot of sales yourself which is great for pro- getting the product market fit but as soon as you see a repeatable pattern in the sales you should get uh you should uh, you know have a person who's able to do that and scale uh so that is probably the next thing is you know hire your vp of sales earlier than uh, what you would have otherwise done uh in your normal course uh, and you know in your normal course of sale uh that's probably the second thing and um, i think third is uh you know again uh, there is a lot of uh, problem solving which is there but you know you also uh, Uh, so i think it's a marathon and not a sprint right so you know you cannot be uh, like working on deadlines uh, week after week that is very exhausting for the team uh, you set up processes you invest up front in in doing things so that for you as well as your team it becomes more of a marathon than a sprint and then you chasing deadlines versus you uh you know doing it proactively for some sectors it may not be possible but you know if you are a product company for instance you know that may be easier to do okay. uh so i think that's uh, probably couple of the things and coming to sort of women founders you know uh, obviously the number of women founders that are there in the industry you know it it it, it should be higher than what is currently there 
but i still see this number is is increasing you know by the uh, by uh, like every day which is great to see and i think uh, you know just uh, uh, you know just like women sharing most of the issues i think there are a lot of questions that people have right like i had issues around uh, when uh, i was starting you know in hiding right because you were asking people to leave their jobs their stable jobs and join a startup and people are wondering that you know are you really serious about this or are you just going to do it for you know one quarter uh, so just in building that trust in in doing that and being able to address those issues uh, i think um, you know having more women founders more examples like that is super helpful and uh, you know right now i also see some forums which are there for sharing a lot of these questions among women founders which have been like super uh, super helpful for everyone so you know yeah so i do see like this number is 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 needs a lot of improvement but i see all the all the wins in the right direction wonderful neha this has been a, a great chat uh, congratulations again on the traction journey so far both to abhishek and you and the entire team and uh, you know best wishes for uh, hopefully a successful ipo thanks amit was was great speaking today uh, thanks a lot for having me Listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast app for free and you'll be the first one to know when new episodes are available. Just search for Prime Venture Partners podcast in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Castbox or however you get your podcasts. Then hit subscribe. And if you have enjoyed the show, we would be really grateful if you leave us a review on Apple Podcast. To read the full transcript, find the link in the show notes.